0: They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today.
1: You're listening to the Chasing Tails Outdoor Podcast, where when you can't be in the outdoors, we bring it to you. Welcome back to another episode of the Chasing Tales Outdoor Podcast. My name is Walt. His name is Chase, and each and every week we come to you with content that we hope does three things. Inspires you to get outside, motivates you to get outside, and hopefully you're listening outside while you're do- Don't do that. Don't listen to the podcast when you're in the woods. Turn the daggone phone off. But in all seriousness, our goal is to do those things. We want to just bring you the outdoors when you can't be out there, and uh, hopefully you feel compelled to get out there more, try something new, and and, and just enjoy yourself in the outdoors, because we genuinely believe that's where everyone thrives. Um, I I am thrilled to be back on the phone with Chase. Life is starting to get a little bit more normal. Uh, Routine is starting to set in. I can see the light at the end of the tunnel and some... Odd, very brief milestone uh, that is <laughs> my son hitting uh, six weeks, seven weeks. But, dude, we're we're talking deer season. It is 51 days from – yeah, 51 days from the opener.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's getting close. Uh, the guests uh, on this episode we talked to, it's even closer for him. I think he said something about 15 days uh, before he gets fired up and will be out in the woods uh, for anybody – uh, that's kind of followed the podcast or whatnot. We got our, our Patreon group. We had a bunch of our Patreon members uh, send us uh, this individual, Mr. Ray Martin. He hails from south florida uh they all kept mentioning him or like okay we got to get this guy on finally got a contact (laughs) that was able to get us in contact with him uh and he didn't disappoint for uh this podcast so i i think everybody's going to enjoy it especially uh our south florida uh following that we have they're they're really going to enjoy this uh episode
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's been cool because uh, as the season approaches, you and I have been thinking about getting South Florida, or not South Florida, but just Florida guys in general on the podcast, talking to them about the upcoming deer season. There's also been a, a, a growth in our Patreon members, and those Patreon members predominantly – I think all but one recently, have hailed from the great state of Florida. And uh, a- as a result, we're able to bring them content that, that, you know, I'm looking at where these people are. I'm not going to announce that on the podcast, but I'm looking at two of our newest members. It's going to it's gonna benefit them. I mean, it's not far from where they are. Um, I, you know, it, it, it's going to be a good thing. So if you like the Florida content, don't worry. We got more coming your way. Um, I'm happy to say that, that we are, are going to be doing some deeper diving into Florida. We've got several different Florida guests lined up. And, uh, yeah, it's it's close, man. Uh, I, I think uh, what really got me thinking deer was when we decided we were going to do a Patreon hunt this year. Um, the, the good news is I've got an update on that. We have selected January as when the hunt's going to be. I think we are 99.9% certain on a set of dates. Uh, We are going to announce that in the Patreon group here very shortly, including the name of the WMA that we're going to be hunting. Um, If you are interested in coming and hunting with us and a group of like-minded people, uh, we are doing all of the scouting. We are, uh, myself and Brett Mashburn are going to be getting together. We're going to be doing a podcast in the next couple of days. And uh, we're going to talk about aerial scouting, what we see on this piece of property, the areas we're going to target, uh, the kinds of things that we hope to, to, to find when we get there. We're going to shoot a video while we're there. That shows you guys where we're going, what we found. And then in addition to that, we've crowdsourced somewhere between eight and 10 trail cameras that are going to get put out on this piece of property so that we know what's in the area where we're going. I mean, this is about as guided a trip as it could be, man. I, I'm I get so stinking excited about this. I just kind of wish January would get here already.
2: Oh, yeah, January, that's a ways away, but I think it'll get here (laughs) before we know it. Deer season always (laughs) seems to fly by Uh, once it starts. When it's over, it seems like it takes forever uh, to get back to deer season, but I think uh, quite a few of us kind of need that little break from uh, the grind uh, of the season. I'm looking forward to the uh, Patreon hunt uh, as well, the meet and greet, all of that. I mean, we get to see a lot of our Patreon members through the Marco Polo, Uh, We've also, between you and I, we've actually met quite a few of our uh, Patreon members through this or that. And I think this is going to be great for them because we're going to be able to give them, okay, this is the WMA we're going to be hunting. They're going to be able to aerial scout it. You're going to be out there, boots on the ground. I'll probably get out there at some point, uh, boots on the ground, and it's just going to be a great time all together. So uh, I'm really uh, looking forward uh, to January. And in a lot of areas, January is kind of dead. So this will be a great opportunity to maybe get on some rut action. And we're not guaranteeing any 130 inch monsters or anything, but it's either way, it's going to be a great time.
1: Yeah. And, and it should be, it should be good rut action. I mean, based on the date that we picked, it's going to be about three days from the peak rut. And so you should see plenty of movement. Um, you know, I, I understand it's going to be a shorter hunt, but I think, uh, like you said, it's going to be a kind of a dead period for, a lot of people there aren't very many people except for Alabama folks uh you know Alabama and and Panhandle of Florida uh that have things going on in January so you know I think everybody kind of as they hit the tail end of their season they kind of think back about how quickly the season went even though (laughs) we hoped it would get here quickly you know the double-edged sword of that is it tends to fly by when we're in the middle of it so I think this is going to be fun I know that we've got some Patreon members that are not from the south that are considering making the drive uh, which would be awesome um... We've reached out to several people who we've had on the podcast uh, who, who have been guests and said, Hey, listen, you've always talked about coming, coming to Hunt Florida. What do you think about coming down? Now, I'm going to cut myself off there because I am prone to share details that have not been ironed out yet. I know this about myself. You guys know this about me. So <laughs> I'm going to stop right there, but we've got a lot of irons in the fire with regard to this uh, trip. But we're going to announce the dates very soon so that you can go ahead and reserve campsites, make travel plans, put in that PTO request. Um, it, it's going to be a really good time, and all you have to do to, to join us for that trip is be a Patreon member. Literally, it, if you don't know what Patreon is, it is a crowdfunding sor- source that allows us to do more. That money goes right into production. It goes into camera gear. It goes into gas. It goes into everything that it takes to put this podcast on, to scale this podcast. And uh, One of the ways that we say thank you is we give shout-outs on the podcast. Uh, we've got two new patreon members that that, that joined right before this episode uh, I hope I'm not saying your name wrong I'm, I, forgive me Lyle Foshi and Mike Ponticelli uh, thank you to both of you uh, for signing up um, I, I still am just blown away by the number of people who have signed up to support the show Um Another thing we do is we send out hats and stickers uh, based on your tier. If you're waiting on a hat, I've got about five people that are waiting on a hat. I apologize. From the bottom of my heart, I apologize. I didn't expect this surge. I didn't order enough hats, and I ran out of of my inventory of about 10 10 hats very, very quickly. um, And everything's on back order. So I am... Chase can attest to this. I am busting my butt trying to find uh similar hats or the same hats somewhere just so I can get you five something, but, um, it may be a few more weeks and, and, and I wish that wasn't the case, but we'll get it to you soon enough.
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've been hitting me up saying, oh, I'm trying to find these hats, trying to get them. It's. It's just one of those deals. I don't know if it was a COVID thing or it's just like you kind of mentioned it's baseball season, who knows, but there's just no stinking hats out there uh, right now. So we are definitely working hard or Walt has been for sure uh, to get you guys some hats. Um, And why don't you, while we're on this, the Patreon, why don't you announce this quarter's giveaway?
1: Oh, I'm really excited about this. So We did a post in Patreon. This is one of the things you guys need to check your email whenever we drop posts. We listen to you guys. And I said, what are some of the things that you guys would want to see from Santa? And one of the core themes was a rangefinder. So we are going to give away a Vortex rangefinder this quarter. I'm going to order it this week. Um, I'll post a photo for you guys as well, I guess, if you need to see what a Vortex rangefinder looks like. But um, uh, yeah, Vortex rangefinder, I use this one in college colorado i've used it for quite some time i like it i love it it's got an unbeatable warranty um the, it, it's bow season dude we're about to kick off bow season this is just perfect
2: yeah yeah uh you mentioned uh that or showed me some things where we're like hey yeah a rangefinder would probably be great <laughs> and i was like yep let's do it so uh, i'll be looking forward uh, to uh, in a couple of months giving that thing away to one of our patreon members
1: it's gonna be great, and that's just another one of the ways that we say thank you Four giveaways a year, um, uh, two hundred dollars or more in value. And uh, I mean, we're just we're just trying to say thanks because it's it's um, unbelievable what you guys do to support us. Um, along those lines, we did a giveaway uh, last week. It ran for one week. We partnered with such as Vacation Rentals to give away a weekend stay at uh, their newest cabin on the Tacoa The winner for that uh, the winner of that giveaway will be uh, announced on the post where you entered. So if you went in and said, I, I liked the page, like I said, we're going to respond to you and say that you're the winner on that post. Um, super, super thrilled to be able to give that, that away. We're waiting on uh, them to draw the winner and then we will announce it. So uh, if you're the lucky winner, congratulations on getting away right before the season or, or getting to those extra brownie points, like we mentioned, um, you know, I, I'm a little jealous, dude. I, I I could use a vacation from my from my parental leave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> oh man, well Ray was an amazing guest. Um, he 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 put a lot of really practical information out there. You guys, uh, you're, when you listen to Ray, uh, at times I bet you you're going to be nodding your head like, oh yeah, Walter was really enjoying this episode because I, I feel like Ray's one of my people. Uh, you, you'll see why I'm not going to. Uh, uh, spoil that, that for you, but I'm going to tease it up. Ray's a, an awesome guy. He's very practical. He's a far better deer hunter than I am. Uh, but I, I think he's kind of like my spirit animal chase. I, I, the whole time we were going through that episode, I was like, oh man, I just want to hang out with Ray.
2: Yeah. Yeah. He, he seems like a great guy. Uh, he, he puts in the hard work, uh, that it takes in Florida. Uh, he, he doesn't hold a lot back in this episode. Um, he definitely goes over his scouting, uh, tactics that he uses, uh, hunting. And I think that uh, everybody will come away with something
1: uh, from this episode. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, you guys oftentimes hear us say, if you have someone you want to have on the show, shoot us a message. And I don't know if you think I'm full of crap or or if you you think uh, we don't listen, but we do. And uh, recently we've had an outpouring of people. Uh, Several people reached out to myself and then other people reached out to Chase and said, listen, dude, while you're lining up Florida people, there's this guy, Ray Martin Outdoors. You got to have him on. And in fact, Chase sent me a message one day and I sent him a screenshot of a conversation I was having with another uh, supporter of the show. And and, and you came up, dude, I, I appreciate you taking time with a matter of days until your deer season uh, to talk talk deer hunting with us, man. Man, I,
3: like, I've never done a podcast, but I'm actually honored to be on one. So, uh, and... I would love to share whatever you guys, any answer, any questions, whatever you guys got, bring it on.
2: All right. Well, I guess before we get started, Ray, uh, why don't you kind of give everybody some background on yourself, maybe a quick uh, elevator pitch on like how you got into hunting and where you're at now?
3: Well, pretty much my old man. uh, I was born in Cuba, got here when I was about uh, eight years old. I'm actually uh, 49 right now. So I've been pretty much public land hunting since I was about 10 years old. Uh, We were pretty much bird hunters. That's what my dad used to hunt the most ducks. And then I got an interest in uh, deer and hog and pretty much learned on my own, mostly public land, uh, very little private land hunting. So, and just went out there and started going to different management areas, mainly started down here for what we got in close to Miami, uh, big Cypress. And just got out there and started walking the woods, learning the areas. And from there on moved up central Florida, other management areas, three lakes, bull Creek, and, uh, started killing stuff and figuring stuff
1: out a lot of scouting. That's awesome. Can can you speak a little bit to what public lands kind of mean to you? Uh,
3: Man, to me, I mean, they've they've shown me pretty much everything I know as far as hunting. Um, I hunt Georgia, also private land. And uh, it's taught me pretty much, I mean, it's about the hardest hunts you can ever do would be public land. I went up there this year to uh, New Mexico and we hunted public land up there. And whatever I use down here, we used up there because, I mean, it's about the same thing. A lot of guys on it um, and just trying to figure out what areas would be better than others, putting in the time and the scouting. To me, the scouting is the key. If you can scout as much as you can, walk the areas, Google Earth, you can pretty much figure out stuff pretty quickly in any management area you're going to hunt.
2: Right. Well, I mean, it seems like you're big on scouting. We've kind of done over the summer, we talked about scouting with uh, several different people and we didn't really talk to anybody in like South Florida where you're at. So can you kind of go over what your uh, scouting routine would be?
3: Oh, it all depends on my scouting is pretty much year round. As I'm hunting, let's say, uh, through turkey season, as we're out there actually hunting turkey, we're actually still scouting for deer and future whatever hunts we're going to do on there. Whether it's turkey, deer, it, we might find a flock of ducks in some areas. Uh, like we have a lot of black bellies down here. And if we know they're there and we see like a flag pond that holds water, we know that'll be good for upcoming duck hunts. And during our turkey walks as we're calling turkeys or walking to one area if we happen to find particular deer trails or old rubs from that year before we just kind of mark it there either on our phone or gps uh if we see trails uh maybe old uh uh, what do you call them um uh, scrapes on the ground i mean some are still Actually, we just found a scrape from probably three months ago. It was never covered up, and it was still kind of just, it hadn't been worked again. But we're like, all right, so let's set up a camera. We added some uh, dopey on it and see what happens from there on, what we start getting on cameras. And it just doesn't stop. I mean, we drive the roads, sit and from the roof and just glass different areas watch deer as they come in and out from either cypress heads uh pine strands open fields and see which way they kind of work where they're just hanging out for the day eating and then where they go back toward bedding areas it's just an all-day process
2: Uh, i was just wondering how helpful is glassing down there. Cause I know like the areas and stuff that I hunt, there there's some areas that you can kind of glass, but it's really thick in most areas. A lot of planted pines. Um, is it just totally different down there? in uh, where oh, no. were hunting well, at?
3: We have areas that you can glass for almost, I would say almost a mile. So we just sit up there either binoculars, spotting scopes, and just start glassing slowly through the whole field. We got a lot of palmettos and open pasture, some areas, and you can see for a good mile and just sit there and just glass, glass, glass. And once you start seeing deers funnel out from one particular area, just kind of watch them, see where they're going, where they're feeding, where they're gonna end up at. Uh, Some of them will just bed down in open pastures for an hour, two hours. So we'll just take another drive around wherever we're at if we got access roads, and then work our way back and see if they're still there. And if they get up, we just see what what their travel routes are going to be, what their in and outs are going. So that's what we kind of concentrate on, me and my son and whoever else is scouting with me.
2: Okay, well that's it's a little more uh, in depth uh, and time consuming than uh, I thought it would be. <laughs>
3: Uh, no, no. Well, we we were out there this. Uh, we got out there Saturday morning. We were right at day, uh, daybreak, and the first two hours we just drove the whole management area we were at, kind of getting a feel of what we were going to see. And once we actually spotted uh three decent bucks, and we just parked the truck there on a little shady area, and just watched them for about two hours see what they were doing and which way they were going in and out kind of figure out where we would actually set up on those deers and we actually got the ruts going on right now i mean it's kind of crazy we have uh we our deers start rutting early july and right now in one of the management areas is caught i mean there were there were bucks running everywhere running does all over the place and as i was trying to take some pictures of my nikon one of them lost a the doe and he was going nuts trying to find her again and she actually ran by the truck and we were just watching her 20 yards from the truck just bed down and this guy's just running a field back and forth couldn't figure it out so it was actually pretty funny just watching that right. that's
1: awesome what what, what is the What's the deer population like down there? Does does it change with those more open areas? Because it sounds, you know, most of the, the South Florida folks we've spoken to, albeit there haven't been many, you know, it's kind of I don't want to say doom and gloom, but that the hunting's really tough because of a, a low deer density. Is that kind of true across the board? Uh,
3: it depends on the area, but I mean, um, we actually saw on Saturday in two different management area, we counted forty bucks and about oh. 90 does <laughs> so i would say it's pretty good yeah <laughs> i mean even even in where we hunt in big Cypress, uh the panthers have uh have done real good number uh, population check there uh but there is still deer out there you just gotta really work hard to get away not as much as from people i don't mind people at all i mean i use some hunters as to my advantage. A lot of guys think you got to go way in. I mean, sometimes we're hunting 50 yards from a main road. And as everybody's walking in, pushing, moving deer, they're moving back around and coming back to the main roads. And they're just standing there 20, 30 yards sometimes or cruising the trails. What we see a lot, a lot of deer, as they hear the traffic, they just stick in within the hundred yard buffer zone. And they just stay there when the vehicle passes, they get back up and they get moving. So we, we use that to our advantage and it's paid out for me. I mean, we've been, I've been killing bucks from small to big ones. I mean, everybody wants a big buck, but I mean, I'm a public land hunter. I like to eat (laughs) deer. So to me, it doesn't really matter. Have, do I pass a bottom? Yeah, I do pass, but I love eating deer, so does my family. So <laughs> Whatever comes
1: in man, if it's legal and my trigger finger wants to shoot, it's going down. I, I think I think Ray and I might be related somewhere in the in the family tree somewhere. I'm, I'm
3: not <laughs> everybody wants a big buck. I mean everybody wants the main goal is a big trophy deer to put on your wall or whatever you want to do. but that's the main goal but for me, it's more. It's more about the hunt, the what goes into it. Uh, if I was with my son, a friend, uh, anything, whatever the hunt scenario played out, that's what determines for me the trophy, not the actual deer. I so, love it. I mean, a lot. I get upset when I I see it in social media a lot of people is like, "Well, it's not a monster." It's like, dude, don't degrade that animal. It's like <laughs> you decided to kill it. I mean, to me, I in Cyprus, killing back then when spikes were legal, hell, that's one of the hardest hunts to do. And not a lot of people can actually go and hunt the Cyprus. And to me, that was a trophy. And it took a lot of sweat to go out and try to get one of them deer. So it's to me, it's not the animal, I mean, the, the antler size. It's more about the particular, how that hunt went.
1: I'm with you, right. man. You're speaking to my language. Yeah, that, that it bothers me
3: actually, when I see it's not a monster. It's like, bro, it's like, don't degrade that animal. It's like, if it wasn't a monster, why'd you kill it? So <laughs> it actually bothers the hell out of me. And I comment on most of them guys is like, Hey, just, if you wanted to kill it to you and meant something, don't say it's not a monster.
2: <laughs> right. <laughs> Makes sense. Well, with your scouting, do you feel like your preseason scouting uh, helps you more or maybe your in-season scouting? How much in-season scouting are you doing as well? As,
3: as we're hunting, we're scouting. Uh, we've been, we normally start August 6th down here. We pretty much start from the end of May, probably three times a month going out and checking areas, moving cameras. And, uh, but as we're hunting, we're scouting. That's one thing we do. We could be walking toward a stand and we see a rub or see a rub line, a new rub line. And I mean, if I'm near that area and I think this might be better, I'll pick up a climber. I got in my truck, go back to the truck, get a climber. I have spare and just go sit there, randomly sit there. And that has paid off more than, than anything else. Right. That that random sitting has paid off for me more than and whatever I think would have been the best area. Sometimes you got to go with that gut feeling. So we, as we're hunting, we're scouting.
1: That makes sense. What
2: what what all what are you looking for when you're when you're out there scouting while you're hunting? Are you looking for hot feed sign, scrapes, rubs well, our,
3: for feed for us? I mean, it's all green down here. Some areas that we do hunt do, does have acorns, but it's just mostly green shrubs and uh, flag ponds. So food can be anything out there. So basically is what we look for is uh, trails, funnels. Uh, If we're hunting a cypress strand, we kind of walk the edges where pines and cypress meet and see what trails are moving through, what has more tracks. And that's what we mostly like to sit on or on edges of flag ponds. Those deer love going out on, on those flag ponds and, and eating all the the new greens coming up on it. But the scouting never stops, man. That's one thing as we're go as we're hunting. And if we see we're up on a climber, we see those or a buck come out maybe three, 400 yards. I mean, some guys will probably say, well, We'll, we'll move the stand for the afternoon or tomorrow. No, we're gonna, I'm going to get down and try to stalk my way and, and put an arrow or muzzle muzzleloader or, or a bullet in them. That day is going to be the day. For tomorrow, I mean, our deer don't walk the same trails always. So I'd rather try to get that done today than leave them for tomorrow.
1: Oh, yeah. If, if you're walking through the woods, though, and you're looking at a bunch of different sign. What's like the ideal scenario for Ray? Like w- w- if you had to paint the picture for the kind of sign that you're looking for, that you just, you're going to set up immediately, just immediately, you know, what what, what does that kind of look like for you?
3: Oh, I mean, our woods are different, but let's say we got cypress and pines, uh, pretty much against each other. Basically I'm going to sit, if I'm walking down uh, the edge of the cypress and pines, And I see a couple fresh rubs and a good deer trail. I'll probably just hang my climber within 20 yards and sit there. Now, if I'm stalking, I mean, that's a whole different ballgame. That's just pretty much random. Find a win in my favor. Kind of look on Google Earth and kind of see where the area, what's what, and just stalk my way through the woods. Archery, I do a lot of stalking for what for the areas I hunt. I mean, that's a scenario. It's a lot of pasture. So we just do a lot of glassing from the roads. Once we see the deer, kind of figure out where the wind's going, what the terrain looks like, and put a stock on them. I mean, sometimes it takes a belly crawl, sometimes regular walking to around a like an oak head and try to get up in front of them. So it just varies depending on the area.
2: I was just saying, is it easy to identify bedding areas or they just bed anywhere, kind of like they do up here?
3: Uh, it's kind of like anywhere, man. I mean, it's just random. One day we'll see them bed in one area, and then the other day they just—they could be a few hundred yards away. So bedding area and feed where they feed is just completely random. It's like they just wake up one morning and decide to walk and say, hey, we're going to go over there and feed over there and then they're walking and they're tired they're like well we're gonna go bed over there right now i just had one of my cameras i had on sunday morning i had two bucks and eight does just bed down randomly in front of the camera for about four hours and i'd never seen them bed there ever (laughs) right they just found a shady area for that morning and they were there for at least four hours just camera's taking pictures and pictures and I'm watching it through my phone. I'm like, you gotta, you gotta be kidding. <laughs> but it's fun to watch them pictures.
1: Well, it, oh, it, yeah. if, if you think about it though, like with, what, with the picture that you're painting where there's like no per preferred food source per se, it's a lot of browse. I mean, man, I immediately think that's gotta be brutal. And the fact that you're saying that, you know, they kind of get up and do whatever the heck they want to. It sounds like that fresh sign is, Almost in, like if you're finding fresh line you've got to be close to the deer and that that kind of is like your telltale you're, you're yeah, always the, trying to the, catch up to them
3: the fresh line it's it's pretty much the main goal like i let's say i'm i'll be walking mid in the afternoon to go sit somewhere and as i'm going to what i normally would think would be the best spot that i've seen a lot of deer as i'm walking over there i've seen let's say fresh deer tracks and then I kind of just look at the area. Most of the areas I already know by memory. So I'm like, all right, there's a couple flag ponds here. And I know they love going in there to feed. And it's nice and cool during the day. So I'm like, well, I'm like, well, instead of walking another quarter mile, I'm like, uh, that tree right there and sit there. And I've done, like I said, very good with that scenario. Just random sitting mm-hmm. on fresh sign.
1: Yeah, I, I could see that. I wonder, Chase, have you been able to apply any of that kind of in, in your area? Because we kind of have a low deer density here. It doesn't. I think the fresh sign is kind of an, a, a quick indicator that they're in the area. I don't know that I've ever tried to just find the fresh sign and set up, though. Yeah, yeah, I've
2: done that uh, before where I went in. Uh, Scouted, or I was walking in, and then I saw this one area and it was just tore up with a fresh sign. It wasn't super far from where I was hunting at, but I was like, Well, it seems like they're here. Random setup found a tree, like Ray said, within about 20, 30 yards of where I was seeing all the sign. And it wasn't long, and I had a buck coming in that I ended up shooting uh, in that evening. And I've also done it uh, in the morning time. Uh, as well, just got there late when it was going in, had an area where I thought that, uh, I wanted to set up and before I got there, found just like you said, fresh sign, a fresh scrape or some rubs or something set up and, uh, had deer funneling back through. So, I mean, it, it,
3: it definitely works. Oh, no, it does. It does work. Most of the areas, let, let's say like, uh, some of our hunts are started on Friday and i mean i gotta work sometimes i mean i wish i could hunt every day
0: but that doesn't happen
3: (laughs) somebody's got to pay some bills that's right so (laughs) but like let's say i'm gonna hunt let's say i i apply this a lot in dupuy normally i'll go out there and hunt started on friday i can't make it so if i try to get there friday afternoon that afternoon instead of just sitting on my climber i'll just do a quick drive glass to some areas if I see some deers, then I'll go in there and do a quick walk around and kind of get a feel for the area. If I find those fresh tracks I'm looking for, then I'll set up my climber. If I don't find any of that, because I let's say I mean you could have just drove around and and it's pretty crappy. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sit there and just throw all my time there. So Saturday morning I'll do the same thing, just slowly creep around and kind of see, get a feel for the area, find some rubs, find a couple nice uh, fresh tracks. Then I'll, I'll set up my climber and hunt the rest of the hunt right there. If I need to move because it's nothing's going on, I won't hesitate. I'm not gonna sit two days back to back without not seeing anything. I'd rather just pick up my climber, randomly walk another 100, 300 yards and find some set of tracks and get back on that climber and see what happens. And that, like I said, that does pay off a lot for me.
1: It kind of, it kind of feels like you're, you're, you're hunting hogs. W- what you're describing is like how I go about, ch- because, you know, your hogs don't get up and go from their bed to, in you know, on TV, they get up from their bed, they go to the food source, they browse around for a little bit and they go back to their bed. And it feels like kind of in your neck of the woods, They're just kind of nomadic and bouncing around kind of like everybody treats hogs. And I wonder if, you know, people applied that mentality, if things would be uh, different for them.
3: Uh, I mean, for hogs, we look for a lot of wet stuff. And our deer down here don't care for wet stuff either. I mean, I've seen bucks feeding in flag ponds uh, with the waters neck deep. So, and people's like, well, I think the higher the water, the better it is for our hunts. It keeps them out of the cypress heads inside. They bet in there, but it definitely, they got to come out to feed. So well, that's what we try to look for too. Waters, our deers are not afraid of water. They love that. So, and it's a way for them. They can hear you coming. So we try to, once we find when we're in deeper water, we creep in as quiet as possible, trying to work our way in. And um, and see what happens there. Yeah, yeah. The,
2: uh, we don't really have to deal with water uh, up here, so that'd be a, a whole new uh, experience. Oh no, uh, we
3: we got water right now. Um, one of the management areas, the water's going over the levee, and I'm kind of set up a a friend of mine. He's never deer hunted that one. And he's like, uh, he goes, Hey, the water's deep. I'm like, it's not deep yet. I go where well, you're going to be walking in. You're probably going to be walking in knee deep. Now use that to your advantage. Cause you're going to be walking in knee deep. Once you find high ground, that's where the main deer are going to concentrate. So for me, the higher the water, the better it is. It keeps the deer in certain areas.
2: Right. Is that like the, the funnels you were talking about hunting? Yeah, I, guess, yeah. I mean, yeah, the deer?
3: Or, right. That funnels the deer to certain areas. Pine islands are usually drier. Cypress heads are usually wet. So the, the more water we get from rain or whatever happens with water management, as they pump water through canals and stuff, I mean, as more water gets pushed in there, those bucks will still bed in there because there's little islands in there. But they got to come out to feed. So that's when we're going to hunt the edges of them cypress strands. No, it's it's a whole different ball game to up north. I've never hunted Tallahassee, but Georgia Tallahassee got to be the same thing. They they're and, very and close. Yeah, it, <laughs> it's not much of a difference, and mostly my Georgia it's pibbly land. So I mean that's pretty that's pretty easy in a way to call it. I mean you sit on a trail, you're going to see in Georgia 10, 12 different does, and three, five bucks come by. <laughs> I mean you can sit on a trail, a deer trail on a public land down here from here to where you guys are at and you might not see nothing for three days. Oh yeah. So, yeah. It's a whole different ball game from public to private. So
1: Yeah.
2: There's been plenty of trails where I've put cameras and look look beat down and a deer might use that trail once every two
3: weeks. (laughs) Oh no. Yeah. Right now I got, that's another thing. Trail cameras. Right now I got 14 out there. running. So it does help, but it just, it's to build kind of, for me, it's to build inventory of what's out there. And if you got like in one area, I'll probably set five cameras within 50 yards of each other. Just trying to figure out what trail that deer is going to use the most. I'll probably get them on every one of them, but he'll probably prefer
1: one area better as to walk through. And then I'll concentrate on that area. Chase, it sounds like if we find a concentration of trail trail cameras on public land, we're in a good spot because Ray's been there. Oh, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Actually, actually we were walking, me and my son were walking this uh, Saturday. And then
3: we saw Footprints and I'm like, hey, somebody's here with us. So as we're walking, I see the trail camera. So I just got on my phone and on my stylus, I drew on my screen, my phone number, because it was a cell camera. I put my name and phone number and I put it right in front of his screen and gave him a thumbs up. And then about 30 minutes later, the guy calls me up and then he's like, Hey, I saw you in front of my camera. I go, yep. I go, I go, I just want to know what hunt date you got. So you or I don't bump into each other and mess up each other's hunt. He's like, well, I got the second hunt. I'm like, all right, cool. I got the third, so we're good to go. And then uh, I let go since we had our numbers already, I'm like, hey, if you ever need help out here, I usually hunt not far from here, so I can give you a hand whether you're stuck or anything. So, but cameras are all over the place. Just don't mess with them. And leaving a note, that way you can actually see who's there, who's not. And everybody gets along, man.
2: Yeah, that's an interesting uh, strategy. That's
3: so cool. <laughs> oh, I had I had one couple of years ago, a buddy, it, it was actually they left me a note and when I saw the phone number, I'm like, "Hey, I know this guy." So I called them up and then just mess with them. I'm like, "Hey man, did you steal my camera?" And he's like, "No, dude, I just left you a note." I'm like, "Dude, somebody stole my camera and it's got your name on it. Your your phone number." He's like, "I didn't touch it." I'm like, "Hey, bro, it's Ray. He goes, oh, man, He goes, you have me going there for a minute. And then I'm like, hey, uh, when are you hunting here? He goes, oh, I'll be there opening day. I'm like, no, you're not. I go, This is where I'm going to be at. I go, you can go about 200 yards to my right or left. I don't care, but this is where I'm going. He goes, yeah, I always see you hunting in there. I'm like, yeah, I know. That's why I'm going to be here. So you can move along. You can hunt after me or whatever, but I'll be here opening day. So, <laughs> nah. but like I said, man, as long as you talk to whoever's there, you won't have an issue. I never have, so I get right. along with pretty much everyone.
2: Yeah. Do you feel like – have you ever utilized your stroke cameras as in you maybe let one soak for a season or something, you didn't go in there and you waited till the end of the season to kind of see what they did nah, like throughout I mean, the year?
3: No, nah, I mean, here's a scenario. Uh, Cyprus. We go in there, we'll walk a new, we'll make a new trail to an area like our footprints. There's deer tracks and all that all around. And we set up a camera. Normally we'll either machete the area a little bit so we don't get a lot of uh, blind pictures of just trees. And usually within the first day, we'll have a deer come sniffer cameras and they'll come back every day and use the same trail we used walking in. And we're talking bucks, we're not talking just those. I'm talking about 90 hundred inch bucks that we got on camera in Cyprus, using our same trails as we walked in. What it is, I don't know, but they're smelling, you can see noses and ears right on top of our cameras. So, and when we check them, that was before cell cameras got cheaper. Uh, We would check them probably once a week. And I was running about 12. Another buddy of mine was running about 14 within probably 500 yards of each other. And the deer never seemed to mind, but we get a lot of rain also. So our cover scent would probably be washed away that same afternoon. But the cameras, the deer will come and sniff them the same, usually same day or the day afterward, they knew they were there and they would come right up to the cameras and use our trails. And I've seen that in other management areas. Right. So it's like, they know who we are and just come and show us so they can take a picture and say, Hey, we're here too.
2: Right. Well, how much do your trail cameras help you get on a deer? I mean, are are you finding you're killing deer on your camera or just rain?
3: Yeah, I've killed I've killed deer that are on my camera. I don't rely on them 100%. Um, it's more of you're sitting at home and your phone goes bing and you're like, oh, damn, I got a buck. <laughs> and it's cool to see. Like right now, I'll probably be sending to a buddy of mine probably about six cameras up to Georgia just so I can start seeing what deers are out there but uh i've killed plenty of deer that have been on camera and some others that have just showed up randomly during a rut they're coming in checking for does and never seen him before and came in close enough he's getting shot (laughs) but uh but usually i mean i'm running like right now we have uh i think we have nine or ten out in the woods and i got five more i'm placing out this weekend. So in three different management areas, cause I just, uh, my son just picked up another quota permit. So mm-hmm. now I got to go to another management area and start throwing cameras out there and getting to figure that one out. I hunt probably let's see one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight different management areas. And it's kind of, it's a lot of burning gas and water. <laughs> Right. It's uh, the main thing for us is the scouting. That's what I tell everybody, everybody. And I mean, Google earth has made it a lot easier. You can pretty much look at Google earth and see pinch points or what I'm looking for, cypresses and, and pine edges and kind of just look at it. And I can probably say out of maybe out of five out of 10, I can pinpoint an area, go hunt that area and kind of be successful most of the times. I mean Google Earth has made everything a lot easier for everybody.
1: Well, my question is, you've been doing this for a while now. What what mistakes do you do you think you made early on with your scouting? We've got a lot of of new uh hunters that have joined the group and followed the podcast recently, and they're always, you know, their their question is, you know, basically, am I doing it right? So I'm curious, what mistakes do you think you made in the early days with regard to scouting?
3: Um i would say not going i say not going enough times to go check out the areas a lot of the guys that i know they'll just go one or twice we're out there pretty much every weekend on a saturday or if i get off of work early we load up the truck with a cooler some drinks and go just go out there and 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 sit I've told guys, it's like, hey, why don't you just get your climber before the season, two, three weeks before the season, and just go set up in an area on your climber and just glass the whole area. They're like, well, what's that going to do? I'm like, well, you're going to see deer from far away, and you can then go to that area and check that out. Mistakes, I mean, we all make mistakes from even now. Um, But, I mean, it's just... Uh, I don't really know how to put that one, but it's just <laughs> go out, just go out and scout, man. I mean, you're going to bump deer no matter what, anywhere you go, uh, bumping them. It kind of pushes them out for maybe a day or two from what I've seen where we hunt and then they'll be back again in there. So, uh, I just say go and, 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 and get out there, man get out there and put your time in bottom line. So the, the, the wrong way is not doing it. <laughs> the wrong <laughs> way is to stay home. And I tell everybody is like, Hey, you're not going to kill something from home. So uh, I just talked to a buddy of mine about two hours ago. He's like, Hey, what are you doing? Uh, on Saturday and Sunday. I'm like, I'm scouting. He goes, where are you scouting? I go, I'm scouting the same management area. He goes, you've been there six times. I go, yeah. I go, and I'll be there till the day before it opens. I'll be there that afternoon figuring it out. He goes, where are you hunting? I go, I don't know yet. I go, I'll I'll know that Friday morning when I'm out there. (laughs) It, it, It varies. I mean, I've been driving to one area, and then all of a sudden I'm like, you know what, that other eight point I saw, I'm like, yeah, let's go over there. And my son's like, really, man, we're changing everything? I was like, yep, we're going somewhere else. And or there's two trucks in one area. You got to have your a b c d e f. You got to have all them options open cuz it's all public land. You can have two guys parked there. I don't want to be the third guy. So drive to your second spot. And or come in a different way and try to use them guys that went in if you kind of know where they're at to your advantage. That's the next one.
0: Right.
3: That's the next one and I've done that many times and it does work. Let them push the deer toward you.
1: You know, you, you kind of spoke about that early on when you said, you know, you're hunting 50 yards off the road. And I immediately oh, yeah. I, I immediately thought of some like areas that are heavily pressured. And I kind of avoid altogether because you quote unquote can't get deep because everybody. Right, can...
3: le, le, let me give you a scenario. Do it. You're driving. You're driving down the turnpike. Where do you see the deers? <laughs> side of the road. Right on the of side the of the road. All right, you got one thing. You got perfect cover for noise. You can bang that stand trying to put it on that pine tree as much as you want. You can be up there doing whatever you want, and they're not going to be minding none of the noise because they hear it all day. You'll have guys driving by and motorcycles blaring music nonstop. I actually hunted one particular area that we were allowed to check in and come back out and hunt from any side of the main roads and then one year i just said i was like hey man every time i drive by here i see deers i'm like i'm hunting there so i went i set up my climber that first morning boom i shot an eight point i'm like sweet about 30 minutes later here came a uh, on mark truck and it was actually fwc the guy drove by me because he saw my truck there and Grabbed my tag. Then I guess he looked up his info and saw that I had a permit, whatever that went on. I let, he went by hour later. I dragged the deer out. I go to the check station. The guy's there waiting for me. He goes, ah, I finally got you. I go, huh. I go, buddy, you almost got stuck on the side of the ditch there. When you were trying to get my, uh, my tag number, he goes, you could see me. I go, I was 50 yards from the road. You didn't hear me laughing. And he's like, really, you can, I go, yeah, I go, I was waving at you. He goes, and uh, he goes, why, why'd you decide to hunt there? I go, nobody does. I go, and where do you see most of the deers when you're driving by the road on the side of the roads right here? And he's like, damn, that's pretty damn smart. I go, no, man, you got to use everything you got. <laughs> right. And I've killed in that spot, actually four bucks already. Same tree, same area. Wow. Yep. And nobody hunts it. Nobody even <laughs> nobody even thinks about it. And I'm the one there, and i I killed four bucks out of there. So just got to think outside the box, man.
1: Uh, yeah, I, I can think of a couple of places, Chase, right off a certain road near my house. They're kind of like that.
2: Oh, yeah. I've mentioned that to you multiple times. I know,
3: <laughs> I know. Yeah. You got to right. try some sometimes just randomly <laughs> sit somewhere or think like where were what would a deer do? As everybody's driving in pushing everything in, just sometimes near a, a main road that's worked a lot of times, man. Or let a lot of the guys drive in and then you just sit back and sit in the truck and just kind of wait. I do a lot of stalking, so that's a whole different thing. But stalking and glassing for me, that's pretty much key, especially in archery for what we got down here. So most of the times I'll wait till almost daybreak. In archery, I'd I'd barely sit on a climber in the management areas, in certain management areas. I'll just wait till almost daybreak and then just let everybody drive in, do their thing. And then I'll start driving slowly, glassing the areas and start seeing what deers are doing. And sometimes, I mean, I've shot deer 40 yards from the road with a bow. They're standing there as people drive by them at dark.
1: Yeah, yeah, I could see that. I mean, you get you see them on the side of the road, you know, 10, 50 minutes before or after sunlight. They had to be moving somewhere right before then. You know, yep. it, it's, yep. not, it's not hard to think that they're, you know, inside the tree line 50 to 100 yards waiting on that sun to yep. drop
3: other management management areas we got have like uh they got cattle ponds so whenever they dug up there's mounds we i sit up there and just use those as vantage point to see i mean once you're up there 20 feet high i mean in pastures you can see long ways now from there on you got to figure out how to creep up on them it's that's a whole different story i mean checking the wind uh a lot of belly drags man just dragging along the ground right and and midday hunts man midday hunts are great while everybody's sitting at camp chilling we're still hunting 90 plus degrees those deers are still moving that's what i tell people a lot of guys is like oh we're going back to the motel we're gonna go take a break i'm like all right cool have have fun what are you guys doing i go we're still hunting Ah, there's nothing moving yeah, 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock. I've killed dozens of bucks at that time. Yeah, yeah. makes, makes sense. sense. I mean, we it's had persis- persistence and scouting, man. Just go out there and hit it hard.
2: Right. Yeah. I've had several people kind of ask me, they're like, oh, well, what's, what's the trick? What's, what's the trick of killing big bucks or just killing deer in general? And I, it's the same thing that you're saying is I tell them the number one factor is time. I was like, you've got to devote the time into it. Yeah, you got to spend hunting. in the
3: woods, figuring out the area. Uh, pretty much most of the management areas holds the same amount of deer every year, same areas. So the areas are always going to be good. Just got to figure out, and they might have moved a couple hundred yards here and there, but the deer are still going to use the same funnels over and over. So right now, we got four cameras in the same spot as last year, and it's just every day, just deers cruising by there. I can probably just sit there blind without even knowing what's on camera, and I would say out out of two sits, one of us will
1: kill a buck. Because they're there, that's constant, always. Have you ever not tagged out in a year? Well, I guess that's kind of a unfair question because well, uh, recently before before we had uh, no limit. Uh-huh. Uh huh. My average
3: has always been four to five bucks a year. Uh-huh. Uh huh. The most I killed one year between bucks and a couple those I shot at a friend's private land that was nine nine deer. Oh wow. In in Florida. And since we would started with a five uh five deer rule, I mean last year I killed five bucks. And most of the areas I hunt, it's only bucks only. So and I got the kid tagging along, so he's gotta shoot too. So uh gotta gotta sometimes you give him that opportunity and he screws it up and it's like oh damn i could have gone after that one so we had that happen opening day last year and i'm looking at him i'm like dude you screwed that up and he's looking at me like oh damn this ain't gonna go good so but it's part of hunting i mean yeah my son actually we're on a hunt in uh in three Lakes. And probably I would say about a hundred and twenty-inch buck. He screwed up for me, and to this day he's like, "Hey, remember that hunt?" I'm like, "Yeah, I remember that one." (laughs) I'm like, "Yeah, I remember." He was about six years old, and he actually we saw the deer, and we're creeping up on him, and he slid on a mud bank, and just when he hit the ground, he's like, "Daddy!" I'm like, "I'm like, there goes the buck." (laughs) And then when he got up, he's like, is the buck still there? I'm like, no, man, he's long gone. (laughs) And I was like, I can actually kill you. (laughs) And I was like, oh, man, you just screwed that one up. And every once in a while, he's like, hey, remember that one? I'm like, yeah, dude, I remember. (laughs) I'm like, I'll give you a payback one day. (laughs) Exactly. Nah, but yeah, it's fun. I hunt with both my kids and it's fun. And I love hunting with new people, man as far as new hunters uh, that's one when they kill something man I'm super happy for them
2: oh yeah yeah we have we have a lot of new hunters and uh, it's kind of good to see their progression and stuff that they're learning. And we have a group where they can kind of come on and uh, they, they kind of go through their scouting routines and things like that. Uh, could you give them any tips on like spot and stock? Because you mentioned spot and stock. Uh, my buddy, he actually went down to South Florida for the first time last year. Uh, that was one of the strategies that he was like, oh, I need to incorporate this the next time I come down uh, to South Florida. So is there anything, any like tips or tactics you can kind of give us?
3: Spot and stalk is basically sometimes it was like trial and error, but mainly check the wind, check the whole area around you first. Glass it real good. Cause sometimes you think it's that one buck and a doe. And when you're creeping in all of a sudden you got nine does just standing there, bunch of eyes looking all around. If you can have somebody as a spotter on the truck, put on an earpiece and right now it's a lot easier with all the Bluetooth put on an earpiece and have them guide you kind of giving you an idea where that deer is because once you're on the ground everything changes. I mean what you thought was one way it changes when you're on the ground belly crawling. Uh, Down here we use a lot of the drainage ditches to kind of just walk on the side of them. and uh, when is the major thing you got to get downwind, whether you got to go a big loop of a thousand yards to get downwind, and then just on your knees, belly crawling, whatever it takes and patience. Don't try to rush it. Uh, if that deer does spot you, just hang tight and give them time. Our deer are, I don't know about you guys, but well, you guys don't do much stalking up there, but. When they see something, they get real curious. And I've had bucks actually, they know I'm there, but I'm hiding behind a bush and they just decide to creep in another five yards, 10 yards, and I've had them at 15 yards just staring right at me. And at that point, it's just sit and hold and wait till he moves his head for something else and draw and try to get a shot on him. Right. Yeah, and got... another thing, leafy suits. For us, for me, I depend a lot for my stocks on my leafy suit. What's your favorite brand? That, that way, if any wind's blowing, that, as that suit's moving, and it breaks out the pattern. Of, and camel pattern, it doesn't really matter, man. I mean, sometimes I'll hunt in jeans, but a leafy suit on top, it's kind of like uh, money for for me. It works great.
2: Okay. Yeah, yeah, I've utilized... Spot and stock up here, like just sitting in an area uh, I've seen where like bucks run a doe across an opening three or four hundred yards away. I don't have a shot or anything, and literally have gotten down, made it to where I'm like, they're gonna make it to this road over here. Hauled butt to the road, went down the road to where I think they're gonna come out, and uh, sure enough, doe pops out, get, gives me time to be like, all right, the buck's behind her, I know he's coming behind her, and uh, get a shot on them.
3: Yep, for uh, the, the spot. Of- it's rough down here because we're on the ground. There's a lot of small blade grass. It's hard to range them. That's one of the hardest things on our stocks. trying to range that deer. Try to get within anywhere for me under 60 yards, 70 yards. I can make that shot. We practice pretty much every day with a bow. If, if I wasn't on the phone right now, I'd be in the archery range uh, shooting the bow. We're pretty much dialed in with uh, me and my son right now, but we we started shooting probably back in at the end of March. Okay, two three times a week. That's another thing. Practice, practice, <laughs> practice, man.
0: <laughs> so not so. like a lot of guys are like, hey,
3: <laughs> we're going archery hunting. Oh, it starts next week. Oh, to bring out. the buck. It's like, uh, you just started shooting and you're hunting Saturday. It's like, yeah, that's work, man. <laughs> and we, we practice all the way with our bows to 90 yards. That's a I mean, if you can hit at 90 yards, you're going to be very well effective at 20 to 50. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's one thing I tell people. A lot of guys are like, well, I don't shoot anything past 30 yards. I'm like, great, man. I uh, I, I have no, I have nothing. To, you're good to go. But we practice all the way to 90 Ethical shots, I mean, I've had deer jump straight up half a yard, so anything can happen. Hit a leg and arrow deflects, hits the wrong, gut shoots them, so anything can happen with a bow. But we practice all the way to 90, and at 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, I mean, we're money. If you can hit at 90, at 20 yards is like a walk in the park.
1: So, So what you're saying is it's a bad thing that I just dusted my bow back off for the season, huh?
3: Yeah, man. You're a little late. <laughs> yeah. You're, you're, you're a little late. <laughs> Actually, I had, I had, uh, uh, my string was going bad. It's on my Hoyt. That's probably about, it's three years old. And then I'm like, damn, I got to get a new string. I'm like, man, I got to get a new string a month before. And we, uh, my buddy down here got me the string, set it up, but he's a top notch, uh, bowman. I mean, that's the only guy I take my bow. And I was dialed in again within a couple hours. But changing a brand new, changing a string a month before the season, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's going to suck. But uh, <laughs> just going out and just every day. Every day we're out there in the archery range. I mean, I'm only 10 minutes for it. So. Okay. And shoot. And shoot all kinds of different angles, not just that broadside. Stocking doesn't give you that option all the time of a broadside most of the times you're trying to come in from the deer from behind and you're going to have some hard quarter shots like I mean real hard quarter to them like you got to put that right through the gut so you can come out right through the chest you're going to go right through both lungs that deer ain't going to go nowhere but you do get a lot of weird angles as you're trying to put a stock on them down here And you definitely got to come in from behind them. You're not going to walk directly at them. So, or if you see which way they're going, if you can cut them off and then just wait and be patient, patience is patience for stalking is the key. If you rush it, I mean, sometimes we rush it because we have the cover, but if we don't have the cover, just patience and crawl another 20 feet and wait and see what happens. If he's, kind of looking at the whole area just let them go back to feeding when the rut's on it's all oh, it's a done deal i mean we i'm out there with my grunt call on and try to grunt them in as long as that doe doesn't bolt he's not going to leave her so that's the main thing don't bust that doe cuz if she leaves he's gone i've had bucks run away cuz they've seen me and the doe's been 30 yards in front and she knows there's something going on, but she hasn't left. And I've grunted a couple times, and he's come back running right to her. I've gotten a 30, 40, 50 yard shot.
1: I I gotta I gotta say, man, I love your perspective on all of this. It just seems so practical, and I think I'm I'm definitely one of those people that that overthinks a lot of things. I'm always trying to figure out maybe the the why is he here kind of component when sometimes nah, they just man, they just are I, there. I,
3: I, I, I My son's already, he's going to be 17. I tell him, hey, man, you see how we hunt. We don't have one particular thing we do all the time. Like last year during archery, we were actually walking around the woods at 12 o'clock. It was 102 degrees. And I just told him when we got off the truck, I'm like, hey, you better pack a lot of waters and let's go for a walk. He goes, where are we going? I go, we're randomly walking toward that oak head over there he goes that's about two miles i go yep i go so pack a lot of water and let's go for a walk and he's looking at me like yeah we're we don't need to do this but we actually bumped into a real nice butt we didn't get a shot but i already knew where he was and we went back in uh in rifle season and i shot him so that went on for my future hunt that was a scouting as we're hunting we're still doing that scouting I didn't kill him that day, but three weeks later, I I sat in that area. Right at daybreak, he came out. Rifle season, uh, yeah, it's not archery anymore.
0: <laughs>
3: Sorry. Yep, <laughs> I can reach out and touch you now.
1: <laughs> oh man, <laughs> what's your what's your deer caliber of choice? Um, 6
3: That's what I. That's what I. Re- been using pretty much. I love my 7 mag. Uh got everything, got a 6.5 grendel. Uh my son shoots a 308, but for me I say my go-to, it's my Remington 730 six-man. I've had that probably 27 years. And it's never failed on me, so. But I like one day I like I always probably take usually two guns. You never know when somebody's gun can take a crap. And uh but one day I'll just say, hey, I'm well I'm gonna use my thirty out six today. And then for the afternoon I'll switch to my seven mag, to one of those things.
1: Yeah, I yeah. killed I killed my first deer with a thirty out six. It was a Remington six forty two Bushmaster. Nice. And 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 my current rifle is a uh Winchester model seventy and a seven millimeter. And I gotta say there's not. There are not many deer, especially Florida deer, that can carry that bullet very far. Oh, no, no, man. <laughs> that thing will
3: pack a punch, and you can reach out and touch them with them. Yeah. And that's another thing. Get to know that gun, man. A lot of people are like, well, I bought a rifle. I can shoot 1,000 yards. I'm like, the rifle can, but uh, can you? <laughs> right. There's a whole different story at shooting from 100 yards to three, 400 yards. 300 yards is a long way out in the woods, man. And yeah. deers get
1: very small. So it's knowing your weapons also. Sure. Yeah, being proficient, being a good – that's just part of being a good woodsman, right? I mean, it's – finding the deer is one thing, but, you know, I joke about not having taken my bow out. I, I, I haven't shot it yet. I have a newborn, and so that my time has been a little bit – uh you know busy oh, I, there I, I, I was in that stage
3: uh, a bunch of years ago man <laughs> it's rough when that when that first kid is born or second i mean oh, the first yeah. three months suck man
1: yeah and i'm i'm in month two right now and so oh yeah you're I, still in that stage <laughs> but the no sleep and all that yeah that and, <laughs> oh yeah but but anybody yeah. anybody who knows me can tell you you know i'm not going into the woods until i'm i'm confident where i'm going and i know what my range is and i don't i don't push my range and i think uh I think we owe it to the animal. I mean, we, we put in all the work to find it, you know, make oh, it, yeah. making sure we get it and, uh, you know, as yep. quickly and easily as possible makes the most sense. Yeah, yeah, you try to, you got to
3: make that shot and try to be accurate and kill that deer. I mean, you don't want to wound it. I mean, it does happen. It can happen. It does suck, but that's not what we're there for. You got to try to kill them as fast as possible and, and use that for, for me, it's the meat. Right. I mean, trophies are great. Yep, I got them on my walls. For me, they're all trophies. But we, uh, we, I, my family loves deer meat. So
1: I'm with you. My wife, my wife prefers it largely because it makes her grocery budget better oh no, yeah <laughs> it's not any cheaper for me
0: <laughs> no 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 honey ain't
3: cheaper man if you look at what it comes out of spending money to go scouting and all that you yeah. can actually buy a couple cows and uh, be a lot cheaper but it's not it's not about uh it's not about that either it's about just going out there and it's just relaxing man right i mean my son is like he goes man we really hunt hard i'm like it's relaxing ain't it he goes no this is work i'm like well <laughs> you got to work for it man <laughs> go, it's not all fun and games so but it's fun i mean we and for me and me and him or other buddies i mean it's just to me hunting is a passion man if i didn't have to work i'd be out there every day wow yeah me
1: too <laughs>
3: Yep.
1: it'd be nice to get paid to hunt but no it doesn't it's not working out we're, I, I'm trying I just I, the, the, the checks just don't come yet I don't understand what's no, going no, on I keep, right. I keep checking every day in the mail yeah nobody's <laughs> paying you for that
3: well yeah, but it's 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 actually whether it's turkey deer ducks hogs gator I mean we do we do it all so we're out, we're busy we're usually hunting from August till end of May so we don't stop. Right. Only only Christmas and Thanksgiving give some time for to the wife and kids. Well, the kids know both of my kids go out there with me, so and the wife You're does right. too. So okay. it's a whole family thing.
1: <laughs>
3: that works. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. This... Even though the wife the wife gets on on your nerves every once in a while when they're out there with you, but <laughs> hey, it does work. So yeah.
1: Well, I, I've got a question for you, uh, kind of selfishly here. You know, I'm in month month two of of raising my my next generation of outdoorsmen. I've got a little bit of time ahead of me, but uh, you know, you're, you you kind of talked about how how you approach you know uh, motivating your kids and out there. I mean, what's what to you? What's the right way of how, like how do you handle getting your your kids in the outdoors, making sure they enjoy it, but also they learn it the right way? What's what's your tactic? You
3: well know, basically small game, man. Got to get them out there. Just get out there in small game. Deer hunting's boring for them, so don't take them out and sit them on a deer stand for five, six hours because it's going to be real boring. Then they're going to say that kind of sucks. So small game would be go out there and with a pellet gun. Mine started with a pellet gun. We'd just walk the woods and sometimes shoot at a can, get him get them in, into something so he's not bored. If he's bored, he's going to he's going to hate it. <laughs> My son was out in the woods when he was already two years old, walking around, uh, scouting, turkey hunting. And turkey hunting is a little bit more, you can, we run and gun. So sure. it's more of a moving, not just sitting all day, like on a deer stand. So it was more of getting him out there. But then we were walking down the trail and then we saw a cricket and now we got to sit and watch the cricket for 20 minutes as the birds <laughs> gobbling down the road. And then I'm like, dude, we got to get going. He's like, oh, look at the crickets. I'm like, I don't care for the crickets. But (laughs) we did that many, many times. That's awesome. But, yeah, get them out there and BB gun and shoot at a couple cans, go for squirrels, and small game is the beginning, man.
1: Yeah, I jumped and the gun. I, I don't know if it's still going to be uh, any good by the time he can use it, but he's got a BB gun and a pellet gun in the in the garage waiting on him. So, <laughs> oh no, man, we all do. We all did. When
3: Miles was <laughs> going to be born here, he, all, he was already the proud owner of two rifles. There you go. So,
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> so nothing wrong with that. Oh, <laughs> yep. well, he had a he had a bow before he didn't even pull it. So. that's right (laughs) no man it's great to get them involved man that's the future keep them going keep our sport going
1: yep yeah for sure what chase you you got any other questions uh for, for ray
2: uh i mean i think we've covered a bunch uh kind of maybe let everybody digest what he's covered it seems like uh the has a passion for the outdoors uh, we get that through the podcast and he just utilizes a ton of different ways to, uh, pursue the deer and scouting. I mean, if anybody listens to this, the one thing that they need to get out of it is you got to put the time in and the all time. the scouting and everything that he does
0: is just time, time, time is level. the
3: key. Time is yep. the key, man. That's what I tell everybody. I get, uh, probably about once a week in Instagram or, Especially now that permits are coming out, people's like, "Hey man, I picked up this uh, WMA permit. What do you think? Is it worth it?" I go, "Man, every WMA has deer. You just got to go scout it. I mean, I can't pinpoint it for you. You got to go out there and put that time in." They're like, "Well, is there big bucks?" I go, "They all got bucks on them. You just got to get out there and look for them. It takes time and 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 a lot of time. Time is you know, a lot of scouting out there, man. A lot of walking." uh, utilize, uh, Google maps that I do. I use that. I mean, you can actually use in some areas. Drones. That's another key. Drones, man. Drones do work. I've used, I've used them before. So just sitting in the truck, I didn't want to walk that three quarter mile. I'll just sit in the truck and fly that drone over that way and see what it kind of looks like. Play back in my phone. And I'm like, all right, it looks pretty cool. Let's go walk it.
1: That's you got to awesome, use man. all the tools you can. That's awesome, man. Well, so I've got one question for you. I tend to, I've, I've been bad about it here lately, but I tend to wrap up every episode with this question. Uh, I, I have not prepared you for this, but are you ready, sir? Yeah, I'm sure. Okay, all right. If you could go back to the earliest outdoors ray, let's, let's stick with deer hunting, the earliest deer hunting ray, and impart one piece, one singular piece of wisdom, that would have changed the course for you as a deer hunter, what would you go back and tell yourself? I
3: would say go out and walk the area as much as possible and try to figure it out. Not be lazy.
1: <laughs> I
3: love it. Walk that walk that extra 100 yards, 200 yards. Like I just told a little bit previous when I told my son, I was like, hey, pack a lot of waters, we're going to go for a walk. And he's like, all right, where are we going? I'm like, oh, we're going to go that way. And then as when we get there, I'm like, well, let's go to that other one. He's like, and he's looking at me like, man, we're really, we'll keep on walking in 90 plus degrees, but that's how we get to learn the area better. So the more time you do that before, when I started was just, all right, I'm going to walk this and this is where I'm going to hunt. No, just... Push that extra. Persistence. I love it, man. That that's my key, man. Persistence gets it done. Don't give up. Even if you lose a stock, I had one last year. Last year I saw a buck from the road. He was a thousand yards. I told my son, This started at four PM. I go, drop me off right here. I go keep on driving and see if you can find one. Because for him, he wasn't gonna be able to do it. Not not to his capacity so and that's another thing on my my kid I tell him all right this is for you or it's not for you uh if I don't think you have the capacity to do it I'm not gonna tell him to do it I mean you gotta work your way up uh and uh, on that deer I started at four and I shot him at seven thirty with a bow But I lost the stock. He busted me at 30 yards and I lost the stock. He ran about another 400 yards out of view. I could have gone back toward the truck or I could have kept on. I decided, you know what, I'm going to go around that head, see if I still see him there. As soon as I went around the oak head, he was standing there with a doe and it was back again to pursuit. I creeped up and I shot him at 54 yards that's awesome but that is persistence that's my key (laughs) that's my key don't don't ever give up that's right for whatever it is uh just push hard man whether it's deer for deer mostly turkey kind of the same thing don't give up
1: that's awesome well Ray dude I appreciate you taking time out of your day I feel compelled to go out and shoot my bow I got to go take care of my my son help him get bathed but maybe I'll turn on the, the floodlights and I'll shoot a couple arrows just just in oh, honor man. of you being on the show oh uh, man I'm glad you guys <laughs> had me there like I said this was a uh, first
3: podcast and a couple buddies is like you never, I don't listen to podcasts they're like, well, I was like, dude, I'm pretty much self taught. I was like, and then uh, Brandon was the one that he told me that he was going to call you and all that. And then when you called, I'm like, oh, Lord, here we go.
1: <laughs> I'm like, what's this going
3: to be about? That's it, but man. But it it's definitely fun, man.
1: Yeah, no, seriously, it was great. It was great to have you on, man. And uh, hang on one second. I'm going to wrap this up. We want to chat with you afterwards. Guys, it is time. Whether you're in South Florida, Anywhere in the Southeast, the season is rapidly approaching, somewhere between a matter of days to to six to eight weeks. The season's going to be here soon. If you don't have trail cameras out, get them out there. If you haven't shot your bow, go shoot your bow. And if you haven't listened to every episode of the Chasing Tales Outdoor Podcast, what the hell are you waiting for? I guess in the end, the only thing that matters is the same thing we say with every ending of every episode. No matter what you do for the rest of this week, get outside and enjoy the great outdoors.